Hey, how are my two favorite people doing? We're excited to meet you. Hurry up already. He's been kicking a lot today, so I think he's anxious to meet us too. Wow, look at this room. Those final touches you made, they really make a difference. Well, this has to be a calm and loving environment for him. We're gonna be spending a lot of time in here after all. Smart and beautiful. He's lucky to have such a wonderful mom. Oh, wait, before I forget, I think I found something that he might like. They say that they can hear music already, so I thought, why not get him listening to some good music?
That was so good. Let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, when we are blessed with children, uh, we get a new glimpse of the kind of love that you have for us because there isn't anything we wouldn't do for our kids. And we understand the depth of love that you would love us so much that you would give your only son to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin. Lord, a love like that, it just doesn't make any sense to us at all. But we say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Lord, for the relationships that we get to enjoy on this earth. Lord, we've come here today because we truly do want to hear something from you, something that would inspire us, something that would challenge us, something that would change our point of view. And Lord, I pray that you would take my words and you would transform them to your words and that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in this room and in all the homes that are watching. And Lord, that you would be lifted up on high and that we would see the plan and purpose you have for our life as a result of us gathering together today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody here today and also everybody who's watching us online and at home on TV. We're glad for you well to be a part of the Sagebrush family. I was gone last weekend. I was in Belize suffering for Jesus on a tropical paradise island. I, somebody's got to do it. I was willing to do it. I don't know if you know this about the government of Belize, but they have shut down our campus in Belize three times since the pandemic has begun. So they were open, then they were shut down. Then they were open, then they were shut down. Then they were open, then they were shut down. Well, they just recently got reopened again. And so I went down there to encourage them to gather the troops back together again. We had a great kids event called X Camp for the Kids. Had over 250 kids show up for the X Camp event. That was incredible. Incredible. We also had, uh, I, I spoke on uh, Saturday night to the teenagers. They had 110 teenagers show up. 33 of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool as well. And I got the opportunity to baptize nine people while I was there. And we had over 600 people in attendance in our services. That's pretty significant. There's about 20,000 people on the whole island. So a lot, of, a lot of good things, friends. You got a lot to be proud of. Your generosity is making a huge difference uh, over in Belize. And I cannot thank you enough. Well, as you saw, we're in the middle of a series called Mixtape. And the young couple that we've been following week by week, well, they're expecting their first child. Now, some of you know what this feels like when you're expecting your first child. When Christy and I found out we were having a child, we were so excited. We called all of our friends, all of our family, over a hundred different people. We called them on the phone, and they had these big baby showers for us. We got everything that a child could ever want. But when we found out we were pregnant with the second child, we didn't call our friends. We called a therapist. That's what we did, because now there's two of them and two of us. The odds are even. You know, what I'm talking about. There's just a big difference, isn't there, between the first child and the second child. First child, Mackenzie, we had so many photos of her. I thought we were going to have to add on to the house because of all the photo albums that we had. Hannah, we didn't even buy the pictures at the hospital that they took because she looked like old Yoda. Not baby Yoda, old Yoda, friends. She looked like a lizard, you know. I was like, put her back in. I don't think she's done, you know. That's how Hannah looked. I said, we're not buying those pictures, and she'll thank me someday that we did. She had scaly stuff. It was nasty, I'll tell you that right now. 
Mackenzie was dressed to the nines. She dressed better than Kim Kardashian. Hannah, she dressed like Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. Just wasn't the same. We treated Mackenzie like porcelain. We were so afraid we were going to break her. I remember how nervous we were the first time we gave her a bath, make sure that her head didn't go underwater. Hannah, on the other hand, we treated like Tupperware. We just threw her down and baptized her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, as if it didn't really matter at that point. Uh, when, we had, when we gave birth to Mackenzie at the hospital, I kid you not, almost 100 people showed up at the hospital. All to celebrate the birth of our first child. When we gave birth to our second child, we had one visitor. And that turned out, this is funny, that turned out to be a mistake. They were there by accident. They came in the wrong room. They were actually going down the hallway to visit a family who was giving birth to their first child as well. That's just the way that it works, right? Well, today we're going to talk about parenting. Now, now some of you are here and you're saying to yourself, I'm just going to flip the channel if you're watching at home because I'm a teenager or I'm in my 20s and I'm not married and I'm not planning on having kids for many years. The things we're talking about today are relationship principles. We're going to look at this through the lens of a parenting, but this works for your marriage. You do the three things I'm talking about today in your marriage, your marriage will soar. You do these three things in your dating relationship, your dating relationship will soar. You do these three things in your friendships, and your friendships will be stronger than you ever dreamed or imagined. Now, you're probably saying, okay, Todd, what in the world are these three things that we've got to have in our relationships? Well, looking through the lens of parenting, let me give you the first one. We must give our children our unconditional love. Do you see how that works? An unconditional love in a marriage, that's a strong marriage, right? Unconditional love in a friendship, that's a strong friendship. Unconditional love in parenting brings about security to a child who feels very insecure. Came across this the other day. It was a card, and on the card was the title that said The Stones, and there was a picture of a home and described, told you what was happening inside the four walls. Here's what it said. In this home, we do second chances. We do grace, we do real, we do mistakes, we do I'm sorry's, we do loud really well, we do hugs, we do family, and we do love. Some of you will be at the Hobby Lobby later today to pick that picture up, won't you? That's what you'll be doing. Our children need to know that we love them with a love that says no matter what. I, I think we, we say this many times that we love our children unconditionally, and then we show conditions to our love. Like we say, I, I love you if, you know, if you bring home good grades. I, I love you if you do the chores around the house that I want you to do. Or I love you because. I love you because you did this. I love you because of, of that. No, what our kids need is I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what, no matter when you're a success, no matter when you're a failure, no matter when you've broken my heart in a million different pieces, there's nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you. You are my child, and I love you with a never-ending love. Of course, the kind of love that we're shooting for in all of our relationships is a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind of love. So let, let's put 1 Corinthians chapter 13 up on the big board, and we're just going to do a little test. You can do this for yourself, okay? Give yourself a little tally. But how are you doing when it comes to being a loving person? 
As we look at the attributes of 1 Corinthians 13, how many of these attributes do you have and do you have in abundance? For example, it says love is patient and love is kind. It's not envious. It doesn't boast, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking. Love's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, those are the attributes of love. Let's look at it through the lens of parents, okay? How patient are you with your kids? This past week, they, they, they said things they shouldn't have said. They did things they shouldn't have done. They, 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 did, they irritated you, right? They had some attitude. They rolled their eyes. They breathed deep breaths for no apparent reason at all. There was oxygen in the air, and yet they act like they were gasping for it, right? And it drove you absolutely crazy. Were you patient with them? And here's the caveat. Were you as patient with them as God has been with you? I know parents are wringing their hands all the time and saying, my kids should be further along than they are. This is ridiculous. Let me ask you a question. Does God feel the same way about you? Because how many times have you told him something and then you didn't come through? How many times you make a commitment? How many times you make a promise and then you didn't fulfill the commitment? You didn't fulfill the promise. And was God impatient with you? Did God treat you as less than? No, he extended his patience to you. We're supposed to be patient with other people in the same way that God's been patient to us. How are you doing on that one? How about this one? Are you kind? Are you, are you kind? The words that you said this past week, were they kind words? Were they encouraging words? Did they build your child up or did they tear your child down? Do, do, you, do you slam your child? Are you sarcastic with your child? Do you call your child names? Do you say mean things to them? Are you kind to them? Let's skip down just a little bit. How about easily angered? How about, how about no record of wrongs? Did you slam them this week? Did the fuse get the best of you? And did you bring up the past? Did you say, this reminds me of the time you did this, and this reminds me of the time you did this, and you're never going to change. It's always going to be this way, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Has God ever brought up your past into you? No, the Bible says that when you confess your sins, that God takes our sin, throws it as far as the east is from the west, throws it in the ocean, and remembers our sin no more. He never throws it in face. Never brings it back up again. How you doing, parents, so far? How about the last phrases here? Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love. Love never fails. Well, why does your child need this kind of love? Because they're insecure. Kids today are growing up in an environment where they've got to impress everybody else. And, and they've got to say, hey, look at me and look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. And they, and they make up these things and they put the social media stuff out there. And it, all the underlying thing is that they're very insecure as individuals. So what do they need? They need security. How, how do we give a child security? By being there for them. Because love always endures, love always trusts, love always protects, love always perseveres. Love never fails. You say, Todd, you know what? You're absolutely right. This would be revolutionary. If people loved this way, it would revolutionize every relationship that they've ever had. Absolutely, Todd, this is the way that we need to love people, right? How do we do this, though? Practically speaking, how do you show a child that you love them? Are you ready for this? Children don't spell love, L-O-V-E. You ready for how they spell it? T-I-M-E. It's through time. 
Your child needs to know that they're more important to you, that what's going on in their life is more important to you than what's going on on the TV. That what's going on in their life is more important than what you're seeing on your phone. That what's going on in their life is more important than the work that you keep bringing home night after night after night. How do you show a child that you love them? You spend massive amounts of time with that child, investing in that child. I read a convicting story this past week, convicted me to the core of my being, so I thought, that's a good story. I'll give it to you, too. If I have to be convicted, you get to be convicted as well. Guy's name is Jim Bronson. He's a retired school librarian. Uh, when, uh, years before he retired, he was raising two of his kids with his wife. One day, his wife came to him and said that she wanted a divorce. Well, his oldest daughter was 18. She was already heading for college, and... Um, the wife, for reasons that didn't say in the story, didn't want anything to do with Jim and didn't want anything to do with their 10-year-old daughter, Kristen, as well. She just left. She just took off. Well, Jim was confused and he was scared. He's never raised a 10-year-old girl by himself before. The 18-year-old daughter, he was a part of that, but really the mom did a whole lot with that than he did. And he was fearful. He was fearful that they would lose connection with each other, that they would grow apart, they would grow distant. From one another. So one night, Jim came up with an idea. He, he went to Kristen. He said, I want to start something and I want to call it The Streak. She said, What are you talking about, Dad? He said, What I want to do is every night, I want us to read a chapter of a book together every single night. And I want to see if we can get to a hundred straight days where we've kept the streak alive. I think that should be the goal a hundred days. Well, Kristen, was up for it. There were two rules. One, you had to read the entire chapter, and the entire chapter had to be read before midnight, or it wouldn't count, and the streak would end. So they going after it, and they got 10 days in, then 30 days in, then 50 days in, then 80 days in. They hit the 100 goal, and Jim looked at Kristen and said, do you want to continue this? And she said, Dad, I really enjoy this. Can we continue? So they went to 150 days, and then 200 days, and then 300 days, then 400 days. Now, now Kristen was getting ready now to head into high school. And you know how high school is. There's things to do. There's people to see. There's more activities. There's more freedom, right? And, and so, you know, Jim said, well, we'll see how serious she is about the streak. Do you know what Kristen did on a Friday and Saturday night when she would have either have a date or with other friends? She would always be home by 10 or 10.30. Because she wanted to lay in bed with her dad, and she wanted to read the chapter of the book. She wanted to keep the streak alive. Kristen said this. She said, even on my prom night, she said, while everybody else was worried about their updos and their makeup and their dresses, I was worried about getting my chapter in because I wanted to keep the streak alive. She said, here I was, my updo, my beautiful dress, laying there on the bed next to my dad as he read another chapter of another book. They did this day after day. After day, after day, 1,000 days went by, 1,500 days went by, 2,000 days went by. Well, you can imagine the time that they spent together, they grew very, very close with each other. Kristen graduated from high school, graduated with honors, got a scholarship to Rutgers University. It was now time for her to head off to college. And both Kristen and Jim said, when you get to college, it won't be the same if we're not in the same room to read. So the streak will end there. 
The day comes, they pack up all her belongings, they drive to Rutgers University, they find the dorm room, they go up the steps, they drop off all the stuff, Jim does his best to get her room ready to go. And then they went down and stood on the the steps, grabbed a book that had started the whole thing, sat down and began to read The Wizard of Oz, and closed up the chapter. And the streak ended. He said, parents were coming and going, dropping their kids off. Didn't seem weird that we were crying since it was the day you dropped your freshman off to college. But he said, a chapter of our life was coming to a close as well. They asked him the question, Jim, was it hard keeping the streak alive? He said, nope, wasn't hard at all. He said, the hardest thing was ending it. All told, they went 3,218 straight days, almost nine years. Let me ask you a question. How valuable do you think that was to that little girl, that her dad would make that kind of investment in her life? And how valuable is it to your kids as well? Take a look at this. My favorite thing to do with my mom is get our nails done and go to the store together. Go to the movies. Go to Chick-fil-A on a date. To snuggle her on the couch. I love spending time with my mom. My favorite thing to do with my dad is play video games. I like going on errands with my dad because I like being with him. Ride motorcycles probably by ourselves. I like to spend time with them because usually you don't get to spend time with them very much. It's important because I love her so much. We get to learn bits and bits of more about each other. It's good to spend time with me because I'm a little kid. Because it shows that emotional feeling whenever you feel like you need to be loved. Spending time with mom and dad makes me feel happy. It makes me feel important. Spending time with mom and dad makes me feel great. I feel so great about it. I feel like my heart just starts to pound with love. That last little girl needs to be a writer. You understand that? I mean, it's very expressive with her words. Uh, You want to make maximum impact on your kid's life? You want to be an influencer in your kid's life? Spend time with them. Spend spend time with them. Make it a priority. When you come home, be home. Be focused on them. Not the TV, not your phone, not on something else that you have to do. Be focused on them. Show them your unconditional love because kids don't spell love L-O-V-E. They spell it T-I-M-E. How are you doing on this one? Can you imagine how revolutionary this would be for your marriage? If you spent focused time with each other in the dating relationship, in your friendships, do you see what I'm talking about? These relationship principles work in any kind of relationship that you've got. Let me me give you the second one. we got to give our children our unconditional support. Our unconditional support. 
Years ago, my wife and I, and we took two of my kids at the time, Hannah and Cammie, we went to the mall with them. We went to the Cottonwood Mall. This was back when the Cottonwood Mall was good. Now, not so much. You know, it's not that great right now. And you remember the Cottonwood Mall had a merry-go-round. Do you remember the merry-go-round? Had a big rip-off what that was right there, I tell you what. And, and so one day, we're walking by, and we're walking by the merry-go-round, and Hannah and Cammie come over to me and say, Dad, Dad, we want to be on the merry-go-round. I'm like, no, I'm not putting you on that merry-go-round. Do you know how expensive that merry-go-round is? That's five bucks a ride. That's 10 bucks out of my pocket. I'll just grab you by the hand, spin you around a little bit. You merry-go-round that, I'm going to get my 10 bucks. You know, I'll keep my money. Well, that's what we were going to do. And then uh, Christy got involved, and so they got on the merry-go-round is what happened at that point. And so I paid my 10 bucks, and they got on the merry-go-round. They each picked a horse, and around they went. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Maybe your kids did the same thing. Every time Hannah and, and Cammie would come around, they'd wave at me. Every, every single time. They'd come around, they'd wave, and dummy me, I wave back. Every single time they'd come around, hi, Dad, hi. Hi, Dad, hi. I felt like I was on Groundhog Days, but I thought, you know, it was just coming back again and again and again, and I thought, what is wrong with my children? What is wrong with them? Have we all taken stupid pills today? Is that what we've done to do this over and over? Hi, hi, hi. Is this some diabolical plan my four-year-old and eight-year-old have got going on to make their parents look like fools in public? Is that what's taking place? And then it occurred to me, deep inside every single human being is a desire to be noticed, a desire to be encouraged even when all you're doing is going around in circles. And we, we live in a world that just beats people down, don't we? Good night. And our kids get beaten down, and they hear all this bad stuff about them and how they'll never amount to this and they'll never amount to that. And then you hear your kids say those things. You ever heard your kids say, I'll never be good at anything. I can't do that. I can't pull that off. I just don't see myself in that role. I guess I'll always be this way. I'm just too stupid. I'm just too dumb. Well, what do you, what do, you do, parent? Now, you, you, you grab that child and you say, that's not true. That's not true. You are a child, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and there's nothing that you can't, you can't accomplish. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You are more than a conqueror. Nothing is impossible. Now, you take that thought and you make it obedient to Jesus and you stop listening to the lies and you listen to the truth of God's word. I can't even tell you the number of times I would pull my three daughters aside individually when that kind of crazy talk would happen. And I'd say, what in the world are we talking about here? We're not going to listen to the lies of this world. We're going to listen to the truth of what God says you are and who God says your identity is in Christ. Don't allow your children to believe less than them. Build them up. Pour your life into them. Give them support. Give them encouragement. What does it mean to you when you get a nice encouraging note? Isn't that nice? Do you keep those? I've got, I've got all two of mine. I've got a file called my blue file, and I keep all the encouraging notes that I get. And I want you to know, this is a very encouraging church. Almost every week, I, I get one or two really nice cards or nice notes just trying to encourage me through everything that the church has been facing these past couple of years. I really, you're breathing life into me. I cherish those words. I hold on to those words. So it's called my blue file because when I'm having a blue day, I pull that file out and I begin to read those words. Words have the power to change everything, don't they? 
Last week when I was in Belize, I shared this illustration. We'll see if they remember it. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States of America. You know that he was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. On, on the night of his assassination, they emptied what he had on his person. They emptied his pockets. And, and today, there is a little exhibit in the Library of Congress that shares with us what was on his person the night that he was killed. You ready for what Abraham Lincoln had in his pockets on that night? He had, he had a handkerchief that said, A. Lincoln. He had a pocket knife in his pocket. He had a $5 Confederate bill. He had a glass case for his spectacles that was tied together by some cotton, by some, by some yarn. He also had a newspaper clipping in his pocket, and it said this, Abraham Lincoln is the greatest statesman of all time. Now, we got to ask ourselves a question. Why would the 16th president of the United States of America carry around a newspaper clipping telling him that he's a great statesman? Why would he do that? Well, civil war was taking place. And Abraham Lincoln was the lightning rod, wasn't he? He took all the brunt of the criticism. He wasn't near as popular as he is today. And he needed to be reminded every day when he reached into his pocket that there was at least one human being on the face of the earth that still believed in him. When I was a kid, about 15 years old, I was uh, really struggling with my life. And I went to visit with my pastor, and he was so kind to give me an hour of his week. And we must have met together for six months. His name was C.W. Scudder, godliest man I've ever met. And we've been meeting and meeting and meeting and talking about different things, and he was really helping me a lot. And he said, Todd, I believe one day you're going to be a great preacher. And I said, No. I don't see myself in that. I have, I have other dreams, other plans. I, I, I don't see myself in that. He said, no, no, no. I see it in you. I believe that God is going to use you to do things that you never even dreamed were even possible. For the first time in my life, somebody outside my mom and dad saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And it was just a paragraph and yet that one paragraph changed the entire trajectory of the rest of my life. And how much did it cost C.W. Scudder to say those words to me? Didn't cost him a dime. Parents, it doesn't cost you a dime either. You say all the time these kids are costing me an arm and a leg, right? Well, you can build them up with your words and that doesn't cost you a dime. You can support them. You can encourage them. This is what the Bible says here, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage one another and build one another up. How, how, how are you doing that, that one? Just as you can't say, I love you enough to your kids, you cannot say, I'm proud of you enough to your kids. Let me give you the third one. We must give our unrelenting passion and prayers to God. Let me share with you the greatest gift you can give your kids. Greatest gift you can give your marriage. Greatest gift you can give a friendship. Greatest gift you can give in your dating relationship. Be a godly person. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Make him the centerpiece of whatever relationship that you are in. Live for Jesus. Shine for Jesus. Let, let me tell you something that's interesting, parents. Those kids of yours, those little sinners in your house, they're watching you, aren't they? And you can fool us at church. You can fool other people outside your home. But you know what? You can never fool that little sinner. Because they know. They know you don't read your Bible. They know. They hear your prayers. 
the same prayers you pray over and over and over again that have no heart and have no meaning. They know when there's opportunities to serve in the church, they know that you're not. You can't fool them. They know that your Christianity is nothing more really than a one hour on a weekend experience and you just go off and you live your life however you want to. They've watched you. They know. You see, here's the thing, friends. You have the opportunity as parents to show your kids what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to really leverage your life for the King of kings and for the Lord of lords, to do more than just talk about it, but to live it out every single day, every single moment as you make Jesus the centerpiece. And when they see you reading the Bible, they hear your big, hairy, audacious prayers. It bolsters their faith as well. But when they don't see it, when they see you as nothing more than a joke, Parents, it does incredible damage to your kids. 22-year-old Katie found herself in a day she didn't want to be in. She walked into the house. She walked into the living room. There was a chair in the middle, and all the chairs were around it. This was her day of reckoning, I guess. It was her intervention day. Her family and her friends had gathered together to talk to her about her drug addiction and about her alcohol abuse. They were tired of it. And they were going to come up with some solution so that she could get well, she could get healthy again. As the conversation ensued, every person in the room began to share how Katie's addiction to drugs and alcohol had affected their life, how it had broken their very heart. And Katie, through weeping and sobs, admitted that she had a problem and that she needed help. Everything was going just the way it was supposed to go until Katie's mom spoke. She said, Katie, look at me. I'm addicted too, but I'm addicted to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It got quiet in the room. And then Katie looked dead square in her mom's eyes and she said, you're a joke. Your faith in God is a joke. You're a hypocrite and you know it and I know it. From that point forward, the discussion became about how Katie's mom and dad had brought them to church heard all the wonderful things that they were supposed to be about for the things of God and how they didn't do any of it. And Katie said, when I was 14 years old, I realized what a joke you were. And I was so empty inside and I couldn't come to you for any answers because you were just as empty as me. So I started drinking and I started doing drugs. Now, parent. I don't think you ever want to be in a situation where your kid looks across the table and says, your faith in God's a joke. And you're nothing more than a hypocrite. You don't take any of this stuff seriously. So here's the question. How do we make Jesus the centerpiece of our home? Because that's what we're supposed to do. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's this wonderful passage of Scripture where the Bible pleads with parents to make certain that they pass on spiritual truth and spiritual values onto their kids. Here's what the Bible says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are be upon your hearts. Impress them on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Everywhere a child would go in Israel, it'd be a constant reminder of the blessings of God. It'd be a constant reminder of the presence of God. And parents would use all these constant reminders from the time the child got up to the child, time the child went to bed. They would always focus the child's attention upon the Lord. They were training up a child in the way of the Lord with the hopes that when they were old, they wouldn't depart from it. So how in the world do we do this practically speaking? First thing is this. We need to give our Bibles easy, uh, kids a Bible that's easy to read. And we need to read the Bible with them. Now, I'm going to recommend a Bible to you, and you can buy these over in the kiosk on all of our different campuses. This one's called a filament Bible. Now, I need to explain something to you because you're going to think this is a commercial to make some money for the church. We don't make a dime off the Word of God. I, there's something just doesn't sit well with me to make any money off the Word of God. I want you to have the Word of God. This is called a filament Bible. And what you do, your kids or you or both of you, you download the filament app. And then you can scan a little cross that's on each page. And on your phone or on your iPad will come up all the study notes. There's videos. There's all kinds of extra helps and resources so that you can understand the Bible in a way that you never have before. This is the most technologically savvy Bible that I've ever seen. And I think your teenager, I think you would absolutely love it. And again, we sell our Bibles at cost, which is cheaper than Amazon. Okay, I'm gonna make sure you understand. You say, okay, I get a Bible and I download the app. Where do I start? Well, you can start with Luke. You can start with James. You can start with Proverbs. A Proverbs a day uh, keeps sin away, okay? So you can start with Proverbs and pick whatever day it is and then say, okay, today is the 13th or, or the 14th and I'm gonna start at Proverbs 13, Proverbs 14 and that's where I'm gonna start and I'm just gonna, because there's 31 Proverbs. You just keep reading those. Proverbs are wisdom, and don't you want to impart wisdom to your kids? Listen, you, you spend all this time teaching your kid how to kick a ball. You spend all this time throwing, teaching them how to catch. My goodness, those are important things to do. But is there anything more important than teaching them the word of God? And here's the deal. The Bible doesn't say this is the church's responsibility. It's yours. <laughs> and you will stand before God and you'll give an account on how well you invested in your kids spiritually speaking. Let me give you another one. We got to pray with our kids. At breakfast time, you know what you should be doing? Before you have cereal, before you have toast or whatever you're having for breakfast, you need to pray through their day. You know what's going on their day. You know the tests they've got, the pop quizzes they might have. You know the friendship issues that they've got. Pray a big, hairy, audacious prayer over your kids before they head out. And then when it's time for meals, you know you can pray your mealtime prayers, but then when it's time for bed, teach them to pray. And don't let them get away with praying some lame, repetitious prayer that has no heart and no passion in it. Teach them to pray to a real God who really does listen and who really does care about our individual lives. Teach them to pray big, hairy, audacious prayers, prayers that are so big that there's no way it could be accomplished unless God intervenes. And when they see God answer those kinds of prayers, it will strengthen their faith in God. Let me give you another one. We need to sit down with our kids when they begin the teenage years and have them write out their mission statement. If I stop the typical teenager right now today, 12 years old, 18 years old, and I say, where do you see yourself in five years? You know what they're going to say to me? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I don't know. Never thought about it. <laughs> Why do kids in the teenage years make such poor decisions? Because they're not thinking about their future. 
If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to give them something to go after. You've got to give them something to go for. And they need to come up with it themselves. And then this is going to help them with every decision that they've got, right? Because when you're 15 years old, you ask yourself, going this direction, does that help me reach the goal or does that hinder me from reaching the goal? Because this is where I want to end up. And now that they have that goal, they have that dream, maybe they won't compromise along the way for a less than kind of a life. Let me give you one more. Take advantage of the ministries offered by the church. Take advantage of the preschool ministry, the kids ministry, the student ministry. Let me wrap this up. There was a successful woman in her 30s, and they asked her one day what the greatest day of her life was. And she said, it happened when I was just a kid. She said, in our house, uh, everybody knew, all family members and friends knew that there was one particular room where the family treasures were. It had been passed down from one generation to another. It was a beautiful oriental rug, and it was a beautiful vase. She said, my mom would talk about the oriental rug and the vase all the time, about those being the family treasure. She said, it was such a cool room. I love to play in that room. So here I am, a little girl, and about nine, 10 years old, and I'm doing somersaults and twists and flips and things like that, and I got dizzy, and I lost control. She said, I just brought in some juice with me, and I set it on the table, and I bumped into the table. The juice glass fell over. Juice spilled over the table onto the ornamental rug. She said it was grape juice. So the rug is ruined. And when she hit the table, the vase began to wobble back and forth. And she tried to catch it in time, but it rolled off too and crashed into a million pieces. And it quite a ruckus. And so the mom starts running down the hallway to see what in the world is going on. She turns the corner, sees the rug, sees the vase, sees her child. The woman said, I was scared to death. What would my mom do? What would my mom, how would my mom respond? She said, I was shocked. When she walked right past the ornamental rug, uh, when she walked right past all the broken pieces of the vase, and she picked me up. And she said, are you okay? She said, it was the greatest day of my life because on that day I realized I was the family treasure. That's what you're shooting for. To love them, to support them, to help them in their relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can soar to be the person that God created them to be. These are the three things that every single relationship needs. How are you doing on them? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is hard stuff. Can't do this on our own. We need your love. We need your grace. We need your help. It's easy for us to grow lazy and complacent. It's easy for us not to show up every day giving our very best to those who need it. So Lord, I pray that we would evaluate where we're at with all this and that we'd start over again. Lord, for those of us who have kind of been waffling a little bit, I pray, God, that we would have crystal clarity as to what we need to be about, what we need to do. For the parents in this room, Give them the courage to buy a Bible, to set up a time, start their own streak. Lord, I pray that we'd be the people that you want us to be, that you would help us to help our children be everything that you've created them to be so that they would be secure and confident and sold out for you. Help us to do this. We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen.